Hello, Alliance members. Today we have a special guest in the studio, uh, Miss Bonnie, and you guys know Lashana. Um, hey. I'll let Lashana introduce the topic. You can go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, the topic is the um, what bias. We got a whole bunch of little yeah, topics. Yeah, because we had a discussion prior to this. So mm -hmm. the original topic, bias and being able to overcome those biases. In the a, workplace. In the workplace, yeah. And talking about workplace, we're specifically talking about um, being a pure spe specialist. And Bonnie's going to basically tell us what she does. And then we're going to get into the topic on bias in the workplace. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and yes, we talked about this. It's embracing diversity in the workplace and being able to really identify where I stand and how do I work with people. And so, um, again, my name is Bonnie Stribling. I'm not sure which camera to look at, but I'll look at all three. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> so my name is Bonnie Stribling. I work as a peer recovery support specialist. It's a mouthful. Um, I'm also a supervisor and a trainer for the state of Arkansas. I work at Natural State Recovery Centers. We just opened at Oak Grove. I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with the new campus over at Oak Grove. North Little Rock? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's a medical detox center and a residential treatment center. So I really focus on the exit plan as a peer specialist. I meet them when they come in just a couple of times. And then we really start to focus on what does life look like when they leave treatment. And being able to have that lived experience of what it's like day one outside living on my own, what do I do? You know, that yeah. just, what are, what are my first steps? Okay. So I really help them with that. And then I also facilitate some groups at the outpatient services that they have. And so on top of that, I, I intern or do a special worker position with a national advocacy group called Faces and Voices of Recovery. That's and I'm, yes, it's uh, really cool. I've learned a lot about public policy and recovery efforts and the definition of recovery support and things that I would love to see come more into Arkansas, you know, some more recovery support services. Okay. Good, so. good. And on top of all that, you're in school. Yes. And you're in school. <laughs> yes. So the internship is because I am working on my master's uh, of public service at the Clinton School. And then this is the first year ever we're going to do a double master's program. What's that old saying? Um, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. Mm, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to get two <laughs> master's degrees. I'm very excited uh, with the Euler uh, Master's of Social Work program. And I start that in August. Good for you. Yes. And I have a little boy, too. He's eight. And you have a little boy. I'm a single mom. Oh, yeah. You, you have your hands full. I do. Well, good for you. Thank for you. keep Keeping it going and staying sane, doing all that. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about diversity and we talk about um, laws and we talk about change, right. we do know there's um, some, um, I may not get all the percentage, percentages right, but we look at um, the diversity in just the state of Arkansas. 17% are minority right. or blacks, 30, 40% are incarcerated that are black that are 70% 70 in Pulaski County Jail. So when we look at that and we talk about um, diversity and recovery and mm -hmm. what percentage or what do you feel the percentage that come into recovery or come to your center, what percentage of, of those clients that come in for help are black? Okay. And I also just identify another minorities, but for sure it's small. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know the numbers. Luckily, uh, with our staff, we have a couple of staff members that are non-white, you know, but for the most part, um, it's just so small, you know, it's, uh, one, every few people, you know, are mm. coming through. And then in recovery, uh, it's, we, there's a lot of progress being made, but overall it still can be a very segregated situation with recovery. Sometimes you'll find at these groups, you'll never find somebody of a different race. Whereas in these groups, you might find some more of diversity in these groups. And so I think that's something to look at, um, Mm -hmm. as a community is how integrative are we, are we really being able to, uh, collaborate with all of the diversity in Little Rock area or in Arkansas? Right. What do you, what are they referred from? Where are your um, clients referred from? It's a mixture. So we are, you can apply online just as a regular, you know, just somebody that needs to go into treatment. But we also have people that are referred from hospitals like Bridgeway. Okay. We see a lot of those or New Vision also. And um, we are, I think, for profit. We also have a nonprofit foundation, but for the for profit, we have insurance. Um, okay. We don't really see cash pay very often, right? Like that's yeah. not something that happens in treatment very often. It does rarely, but almost always we have insurance. We don't have Medicaid billable services though. Okay. And maybe that has an impact on, you know, the demographic. On the demographic. And if they're referred, do you see a large population coming from, like, are they formerly incarcerated? Do they come from the county jail? Do they come from the prison system? ACD, ACD, D- ADC, you know, I never get those acronyms <laughs> yes. right. ACCA. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. So we um, are, we really don't want them to be on the run. That's the, the hope is that we are not having somebody that's on the run from the law because then, you know, they're just trying to go to treatment to stay just away to from, stay away from yeah. going to jail. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but we do almost every single person I've talked to has some kind of criminal background, right? I don't see a lot of referrals from the jails. I think it's happened a couple of times, but for the most part, um, you know, everybody's got some kind of background. Yeah. Uh, almost every single one has a background, you know, that's a really common. And then on the application, it used to say, um, have you engaged in criminal activity? And we had to change that obviously to, you know, what is your criminal background? Right. So we right. want to get a comprehensive look. We try to write a letter as soon as they get in, uh, letting the courts know, Hey, we have this person, they're here. Uh, if they have any court dates coming up, they're going to be in treatment and they might miss it. Um, and that's been really helpful to kind yeah. of, before they leave, I like to look on court connect to find out, you know, what's going on and then mm-hmm. call their probation officers and get a no so that when they leave, they know exactly where to go. If they, they have an appointment set up. I know you have some questions, Russell. I'm not yeah, gonna take um, up all the time. So the, <laughs> I have the, a lot too, but okay. The numbers, um, the WAP side of numbers, and yeah. uh, or this being presented um, in addiction and incarceration and all that type of stuff. How do you feel like the best way or best approach to go about um, somebody that's in treatment of color that feels alienated or um, how do you give them the same opportunity you would um, somebody else? Right. That's a really good mm-hmm. question, Russell. So before at Natural State, I worked at the Division of Youth Services, uh, which is our, you know, if you're under 18 and you commit a crime, you come and serve your time with us. And that was such an eye-opening experience because there was a young man, he's 16, he's um, 
you know, he's African American from Malvern, Arkansas. And he sat down with me and taught me all about life, you know, just at 16. <laughs> yeah. How am I as a white woman going to sit there and say, I understand what it's like to be you. Yeah. Okay. And that's really the strength of a peer support specialist is saying that yeah. I understand. Unfortunately, there are some things I just have to say, I don't understand what it's like. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was a really humbling experience to have him. He said, you know what? I can sit here all day and I can complete these treatments and I can fill out the worksheets. What I need is a mentor. I need somebody in my community to be a mentor to me. And that was where I could help. Right. So I had to create a space, a safe space for him to share with me what he needs mm-hmm. and me to listen openly, not assuming that I know what's best. And that's really hard because I'm a nurturer and I want to fix everything. Not assuming I'm just going to hear. I'm just going to listen to what he had to say. And he said, I need a mentor. And so then we find someone in their community that will be able to step up for that role. You know, so I plug him in, you know, with a community resource. So I know you may feel that way as a peer specialist. Do you feel like all peer specialists, when they come into that situation, do they feel that way? And if not, is there some type of way that your organization or your natural state, do they offer any type of cultural diversity classes or how do they get to that point? Or do they even see that as a problem? Right, right. That I love I'm kind of like a nerd, I guess, probably because I'm working on all my school stuff. I love uh, classes, like any continuing eds. And I know that those are available. We have to do continuing eds for my certification. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, ultimately, and so going back to Russell's, but answering yours, I'm going to, my goal as a peer specialist is to do that in general with every person. Um, And and I have to do some self-reflection as a peer specialist. Where are there some of those biases that we were talking Mm -hmm. about? Um, It's so important not to read the case file before they come in. We were just saying that earlier. You know, I'm not going to assume anything about this person because their charge looks like this or their background looks like this. I have to just meet them where they're at. I would think I think that that is the core of peer support. Who is this person? What is what is their story? Where do they come from? Um, and I don't need to put a judgment on it. It doesn't matter what I think at all, mm-hmm. you know, but I have to look inside myself and realize I may treat them differently. I may, doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I'm a bad person. It just means that I have some stuff I need to work on, you right. know? And, um, so that's, that's what I try to focus on. And, you know, in regards to staff, that's, I, I we are working on that. I know that, you know, in a workplace, I think we should do that. We should yeah. have diversity classes. We need to have discussion, round table discussions. We're sitting mm-hmm. having hard conversations about bias because the also another one lgbtq yeah Yeah. you know huge right now really big um what do we do when somebody recognizes that their pronouns are different than what their birth certificate says right how do we help that person and so we have to come together as staff i think and have that come up with a rule come up with a um you know a a policy on how do we work with this population right but unbiased perceptions yes that's 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 hard that's a hard pill to swallow because it makes you like look at yourself like you know Mm -hmm. um before you go to work (laughs) and realizing like you said it's hard because it's like you don't want to seem like you are biased especially if you've been living that way for so long you've been (laughs) (laughs) you're like am i really messed up am i really (laughs) yeah am i doing something wrong yeah Yeah, right but looking at yourself and then understanding and and coming to a grips that you, yeah, you know, that's not cool. Knowing that mm-hmm. you're judging somebody. I think you know. that over this last year as a, as a society, we have really had to take, we've, we've really looked at this a lot and I'm super grateful for that opportunity for us to really become more awake to mm-hmm. some of these in, you know, internal biases that we yeah. have. Yeah. 
Um, I know that I've luckily had a lot of friends coach me along the way and it was just things, it was just because I, I, it was ignorance of, of me not taking a look at it and really understanding the history and, and the ins and outs and, um, people like Russell that I've reached out to and he's, you know, taught me a lot. And also another woman, it's like, who is just calling me and checking on me during the riots? You know, just because, I, you know, who, where is my community during all of this that's going on, you know, and, and being able to check on people and just genuinely love them regardless of, of their race or their background or anything like that is right. where's the community just checking in and making sure that I'm okay. Um, so that was something that I learned also. Which yeah. is good. I don't know how many more questions I can ask or how much time we have, but... <laughs> I can go on and on. So knowing that, you know, at the natural state, you guys offer what will let us know what it is that you offer, what resources can be valuable to us as we talk to our alliance. Mm -hmm. um, just some of the things that you guys have in place and we can refer. Okay. So we do have that. So natural state has a continuum of care. So we do okay. offer all the way from detox to outpatient services and we have peer specialists on staff that, and we also have uh, CITs on staff. We have social worker. We have um, alternative things like uh, service dogs, and we have you know oh, CrossFit cool. and all the things. But we also have just an environment of recovery. There's a lot of there's a difference between treatment and recovery. I almost said treatment. Listen to me. <laughs> treatment and recovery. There is a little bit. There's some difference there. But okay. at natural state, I feel like we really still have that voice of recovery inside um, inside the institution, showing people role modeling. This is what life could look like. It doesn't have to. To be like this forever right mm -hmm. here's living proof that you can too recover that it is possible well how did you get into being a peer specialist like what drove you to it that's a good question uh it definitely came in like through the back door i guess it was an accident um i was trying to be a teacher have you seen sister act two yeah with whoopi goldberg yeah, yeah. <laughs> She is my idol. Like, I wanted to be her when I grew up. <laughs> I love her. Like, teaching music she to at-risk youth. Like, yeah. that was it. Like, Dancing. that's what I wanted to do. Dancing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all over. The, she's great. So, I, I was going to school to be a teacher. Okay. When I came into recovery, it was in 2014. And I had a uh, music degree. Um, there is one mugshot out there of me. I um, was arrested in, in like 2013. I think I'd graduated from college two weeks prior, had a baby two weeks prior. And um, there I am like lactating with track marks, you know, just really mm. a good moment. But I came into recovery in 2014. And uh, like most people do, you get in recovery and you want to do some stuff. I have all these dreams and these goals. And mm -hmm. so I went back to school. And then uh, I realized that I have to like do my work. It doesn't matter that I'm now not doing drugs. I still have to learn how to like time manage yeah. and how yeah. to like work the computer and how to like show up to class and be reliable. I, like all those things, um, just because the drugs are gone doesn't mean I'm going to be good, yeah. you know, at school. So I failed out of the program and I had to make a complete life career change. So I stopped doing education um, and I still have that letter that says like you have been exited from the program and you're no longer eligible for yeah. funding you know I was a it was a heartbreaking moment but I went into work at Birch Tree Communities as a mental health paraprofessional because I was uh -huh. like I just need a side job so I, I got that and then 
in the training, I was like sitting in the front row and asking all the questions and the CFO was leading the class. And I had told him like, you know, right off the bat, like I'm in recovery and I like care a lot and I like cried <laughs> in the training because I was taking it so serious, you know, <laughs> and he remembered me. And that's the thing is he remembered me. So when they heard about this peer support training, they were like, Hey, we have someone that's in recovery and like called me out. Like, I don't even live near this guy. He's the CFO or CEO, whatever it is, COO, <laughs> one of them, one of those high yeah. up guys. And he like remembered me and put me in training. And then I became um, like the first ever peer support at Birchtree, um, building the Medicaid billable, you know, stuff, services yeah. for Birchtree. And I was the first person to do that. Um, cool. Just because I was like super enthusiastic in class. And, yeah. Like, kind of a suck up, I guess, maybe. But um, it worked out. And then from there, I started networking and just like met people like Jimmy McGill. I met, um, you know, people in that in that field that really saw the passion that I had. And then um, I applied for DYS and then that really moved me forward. That's when I came to Little Rock in 2019. And then that, you know, from there it just blossomed into doing all that stuff. But I went back to school because I realized that just because it happened once doesn't mean that, you know, I need to stop trying to go back to school. I I wanted to go back and I want to open, you know, some centers someday and, and move on um, and do, do more, bring peer support with me, but also um, do more in my community. So right. that's the goal. You have a Put question? Put twist on have, it. Yeah. You got a question? I do. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No. Let's go. Okay. Let's go back to you as a mother. Okay. Yes. During your recovery. Yes. And I just, I see a lot of fam, um, a lot of mothers or a lot of parents. Absolutely. Maybe a man that ha- um, has custody of his children. Single dads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Single dads, single mom. So during, during this time now with the housing crisis and if they're needing recovery, and I know a lot of places it's working on self, they're not able to take their children into recovery with them. Right. Or So at Natural State, what do y'all, do you refer um, families out that, you know, like what's that process? And I love your heart. So I know yes. you have a heart for, for what you do and care for right. your families that need treatment, need peer specialists mm-hmm. that work with them. But kind of touch on that like what do you do if a mom comes in or if a, a single dad comes in or whatever right but need a space so we don't offer as excuse me sws programs i think that specialized women's services is the is what that's called and and that's a, a big call to action for arkansas is to implement yeah. sws i really hope that i think harbor house and um gateway up both of those are kind of harbor house related but in two different towns offer those programs, but we at natural state do not have an SWS program. And so, and really that's specialized women. So I don't even really know what they do for single dads. So I would love to learn more about that, but good point. The kid will, the child will have to stay with family or, you know, maybe we have a lot of open DHS cases uh, Mm -hmm. that come through. And, you know, so the family is already displaced uh, while they're in treatment. And then the next struggle is when they leave treatment, they want to continue doing services and they want to go to a a transitional or chem-free house. Um, But the chem-free house doesn't let you bring your kid and you can't leave. You have to get a pass, right, Uh, just for an overnight stay. Um, So it is a struggle. It's absolutely a struggle. Um, in my journey, I luckily was able to take my son and we moved into a rent house um, by my parents' house. And so I just remember those nights, like plenty of nights, like having to walk my kid, you know, to a mutual aid group. Like I walked, he was still in diapers one and a half when I entered recovery. And so I was yeah. taking him with me everywhere, you know, or using my parents. A lot of grandparents having to step up, 
you know, and, and raise kids. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going on a lot. Uh, so we need that. We need um, some specialized services for families. I think um, there's something called family support part- partners. Mm-hmm. We had that in Arkansas. We have a training model and everything. And that's a person with lived experience with uh, um, having a family that's been displaced or a broken household, as they call it, which is, uh, and they uh, have disappeared in the wind, you wow. know. So the, my, my important thing is, is when, we, when we start a service, we need to figure out how to build infrastructure. How do we make this service last? Right. Right? Wraparound services. Love yes. wraparound services. How do we help the whole family? Right? And, and using a person with lived experience is excellent for wraparound services. It's not just about fixing that one person. It's about fixing the whole family. And then you fix the whole community. I get that. But like, how do we do that sustainably? Yes. I'm going to shake this whole table. Yeah. Throw the table. How do we make it sustainable? Um, and you so hear that Alliance members? This is for you. Yeah. <laughs> we need to make it sustainable. Well, and, and you know, it really, we just got to get back to the planning period, right. you know, and like looking at, and I'm learning, that's all that stuff I'm learning is I take one class and now I feel like I'm <laughs> like, I know what I'm talking Save about. The world. <laughs> no, yeah. <sorry>. Conquer. <laughs> no, but that, but that, from what I've seen, I just hate it. We had youth support. Yeah. That's people we, providing youth support services that have lived experience. Can you imagine like an 18 year old, like being a peer specialist and like hanging out with other 18 year olds and helping them like true peer support? Mm. Yeah, Gosh, that's, that's awesome. Cool. I know. That would be so cool. You know, and you have like, you can have like your own group. Like the what's important for youth support is being able to have like um, hobbies and extracurricular activities like a boxing club yeah. or, yeah. A, you know, a sports team or a music group or a skateboarding park or, you know, something so that you can all hang out and realize, oh, man, we can still be cool and like have fun. But like we don't have to do drugs. We don't yeah. have to do drugs. <laughs> and there's no bias because <laughs> no everybody bias. is still exactly. thinking, the same, you know, right. no so, one's better than others. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we used to have a youth support uh, training model and that we don't have that right now. We're not using it anymore. So we just need, you know, funding and sustainability and all the things we talked about. I'm going to stop asking questions. I (laughs) I digress. It's a good (laughs) stopping point. Yeah. I think we go on all day. We could. Mm -hmm. So I guess have her back. We could have our back. Yeah, I'll definitely come back. I love what y'all are doing. Um, I love 100 families. I think that that what we were just talking about with wraparound services, yes. it sounds like that's what is trying to happen with 100 families and reentering society and being able to bring the families back together and supporting them. Yes. Um, recovery capital uh, is a big part of, so being able to be supported by the life that I live. Do I have a job? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, I, do I have a good financial situation where I can actually support myself? Yeah. Do I have a safe place to live? Yeah. Um, all of that. And so we have to recognize the bias of the system, you know, and we have to um, work through that. I think as an agency and as an organization, we have to work through that, recognize it. And then it's okay. Talk about it. Move on. Work on, you know, work on those. I love it. Mm-hmm. And the cool part about like what you said in the beginning, if we collaborate, it's all about collaboration it is. and it's all about the community coming together and we have to have those hard conversations. You mentioned that before hard conversations and it has to start somewhere. So mm-hmm. why not that's start here? That's yeah. what we're doing, yeah. right? That is. That's yeah, what we're that's doing. Something. Good. Good deal. I thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. and okay. just like next time we'll see you all back here. Is it Tuesday at three? Yeah. Tuesday at three. We'll dig deeper. <laughs> we'll dig deeper. Thank you for coming, Bonnie. Yes. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks.